Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining me. I'm delighted to be joined today by Henry Goldbeck. Henry is the president at Goldbeck Recruiting, a contingency recruitment and executive search firm located in Vancouver. Hi, Henry. And thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you on. Uh, and I'm so sorry, as an Aussie, I get excited by snow, but I believe you have not had snow. So that's very disappointing. Well, we've had a dusting of snow in Vancouver and uh, people who don't know Canada well assume we're all, uh, you know, we're all living in a permanent Arctic experience. But uh... <laughs> Well, thank you very much for, for joining us. And this is not your first rodeo. You started Goldbeck Recruiting back in 1997. So I'm really keen to, to learn from you and, and hear your ideas and advice. So thank you for doing My this. My pleasure. Yeah. Do you want to start by telling us what does your business do and for whom? Well, we recruit mid-level to senior professionals and managers in the areas of operations and production management, finance and accounting, sales and marketing, general management, human resource management. That's the bulk of our business. Probably 70% of that is in Western Canada, the other 30% being across Canada and the United States, and uh, as well as some positions in, uh, in Europe. And uh, we've, we, placed, uh, we have placed people in every continent, but uh, you know, outside of Western Canada, it's mostly the US and, and, and some in Western Europe. And those international placements that typically been for existing clients, I imagine, is that right? Um, mostly, but you know, not always. We, you know, we try to market ourselves effectively. So we get, you know, we receive inquiries for our recruiting services uh, from around the world at times. We have a very good client in uh, West Germany that contacted us, uh, found us on the internet and and uh, we do most of their searches, including in Europe, Asia, and North America, right? So really, so those are those are exceptions. But you know, when you're in the business for as, as long as I have, exceptions make things a little bit more interesting and fun. Yeah, absolutely. So a, a company in Germany has hired a Canadian company to hire into Germany, is that yeah, right? but that's yeah, absolutely. Well, that is a, a great rep for you. That's uh, obviously shown the, the quality of your work. So thank you. It's nice feedback to get, yeah. I'd love to know what makes a good versus great recruitment business and HR business. So what's your advice on that? And you know, how have you sort of modeled your own business? Well, that's a, you know, that's a great question. And it's a super open, open-ended question, Ben. Um, mm. you know, the interesting thing about going into the recruiting business or into an HR business, which is a consulting business, you know, really in, in most cases, yeah. is that there's a zero barrier to entry other than you know having a phone or a computer so a- anybody can uh, can go into it and and it takes the the, the variations and the types of businesses um, are so wide and varied and i know lots of different recruiting firms that operate you know very differently and so i i think from a business point you know from a customer point of view obviously you have to you have to provide value and you have to make uh, 
customers and potential customers aware of the value and the service you provide that they need and are going to pay for. And um, well, from a business point of view, you need to uh, know what this, what, how you want to operate and how you can be successful at that. So if that makes any sense. And, and, and so there are, you know, re retainer firms, there are large firms, there are one-man firms, there are contingency firms, there are staffing firms, all, all types of recruiting firms that have, that have found a niche and, and operate. And, you know, I talked to some, I talked to, to a fellow yesterday in California with the recruiting business and great guy, had a wonderful conversation with him, full of, you know, different ideas and energy and, and, uh, and really want to share business with him in the future. But, he operates very differently than we do, right? He, you know, he and it's really funny because he is in the uh, re mostly retainer search business, right? And uh, is and so they, you know, the number of positions they can work on, very are are quite a bit fewer than ours because we're more contingency, and um, and he transitioned to retainer because of cash flow. He said he wanted steadier cash flow. And I thought, wow, that's the same exact same reason I'm in contingency, right? <laughs> so like we're in, we're in different, you know, we found what works for us. I think we both have successful businesses, but for him selling a retainer, and having you know having the more guaranteed cash flow of a of a retainer search works for him, and for me in our business, I found it much easier to sell the contingency, and have the uh, the risk of knowing we're only going to place a percentage of the searches we you know we're asked to fill because it's contingency. But I found that more secure for me. And so we, you know, so I think, you know, this is, I'm really losing the thread here because you asked me such no, an no, open-ended no. question, right? So I found what works, what works for me. Like I would rather get and have our recruiters get, you know, 10 contingency searches knowing we're going to fill, you know, four or six of them. Um, and, and have the heartbreak of the ones that ghost us and that we don't fill and, you know, and are they hire on their own or whatever, right? I'd rather live with that than, you know, present to 10, you know, present for 10 retainer searches and maybe only win the contract on two of those. What's the driver there? Is that appetite for risk? Or no, I don't think it's appetite that? for risk. I think it's, um, for me, it's the path of least resistance. I, it's easier for me to do that, and it's not appetite for risk. You know, no one likes the ri no one likes the risk, but for me, the risk is greater. Well, yeah, it depends what you look at. For me, mm. the risk is greater to pitch the uh, retainer searches and risk and not get them than yeah, than so than the risk good. of not filling the uh, contingency searches. And they're different searches as well. I mean, a, you know, a retainer search, there's fewer of them in the Vancouver market. You know, Vancouver is such an interesting market, you know, from a point of view of very few large corporations, lots of small businesses, lots, 
lots of branch operations, uh, lots of really tiny businesses. Um, and, and so the number of executive searches is relatively small and the competition for them can be really, really fierce. So the contingency market is much bigger. Going into an HR business, I think it's really important to understand how are you going to operate. And there's no better or worse. You know, for some people who think our oh, executive search, they're the kings of the hills. They place certain, you know, all these senior positions. Well, you know, we can place lower level positions on a contingent basis and have just as profitable or more profitable business and maybe a more, you know, maybe a more... Um, recession resistant business and things like that you know there's due to the volume yeah due to the volume and and so yeah. but really you have to you have to be comfortable in what you've decided to do and and, and try to do that the best you can got it and you, you mentioned you know it's a a unique market let's say and competition can be fierce for different types of roles how do you get them to choose you versus others well, the first thing you have to do f from our point of view, so is you, you need to get them to, you need to be able to talk to them, right? And, and mm -hmm. so we've always invested in, in digital marketing from very early on. And um, that's, you know, we get a lot of business from that, you know, from a, from a, a small business point of view, I would guess my marketing spend is greater than most and mm -hmm. um, you know we've become effective at isolating you know choosing search terms that we can compete successfully in and that are going to bring us business Gosh. so we get business like a lot of inquiries and company inquiries through our digital reputation through our uh, our digital uh, uh, footprint when you talk about building a business, and this is, I think, any kind of HR or consulting related business, recruiting business or HR, and I'm assuming you, when you say HR, you talk about more than recruiting. There are other HR businesses other than recruiting, right? That's true, but yeah, it would, we're focusing on recruitment now. Yeah. But, yeah. but in recruiting, so, you know, the most important thing for me is uh, it was very, very difficult when I started on my own to combine constant business development with then landing searches and then you have to fill the fill the search right fill the position mm. and then so you get really busy so if your business development is successful all of a sudden you've got a plate full of searches and, and you're trying to fill them and then you so you then you stop doing the business development and um, and then you fill the searches exactly bust. So, you know, certainly some people, and I, res I respect those people a lot, can, can constantly have, uh, be making uh, sales calls and business development activity while they're, um, you know, while, while they're also working on their searches. I found that difficult. So I had, uh, like 25 years ago, I had this vision, this silly vision of my mind of tiny little one-cylinder engines called my business development engine. And I put money in it and leads came out the end, out of the other part, outside of it. There was a picture in my mind. And so I thought, okay, that's what I have to build. And started out, you know, started out 
really primitively where, you know, like, like, like a lot of other recruiters that, you know, that time is which companies are advertising in the newspaper, which is, you know, how old I am and uh, <laughs> sending them a letter in an envelope. Um, and just, I've heard yeah, of that. Yep. And, and just a, a letter, letter in an envelope and just making sure that uh, I did that consistently and that was something well you know I could easily do that or once I got an assistant I could have my assistant do that you know so that was a labor it was a, a process oriented you know easily easy to do function that that worked to some extent and no matter how busy I got filling positions I could make sure that I did that every week and then it just developed from there, right? So uh, the transition is interesting as well because you're trans, you know, if you're transitioning, you're working on a search and, you know, you're really doing your job. That's, you know, you see, I'm a recruiter, you know, I'm doing the recruiting portion of finding candidates, interviewing them, uh, presenting them. Um, and then all of a sudden I gotta make a sales call, right? So yeah. it's a, it, for me, it would take, if my business slowed down, it would take like a week or so before I got the courage to transition to, okay, got to get some leads together and start pounding the phone and make some calls, right? And, uh, and it, wasn't, it wasn't a natural thing for me to do or an easy thing for me to do. So we gradually invested in, in uh, systems that did that for us, that you know, have gotten better and better over time, and they're still, they're still improving. And, and, and uh, you know, I think I'm more excited about them now than I have ever been. Yeah. Really, I'll come back to yeah. that. Some of the stuff you've spoken about there, and I love the word process that you used there. In terms of the evolution, keeping it old school, contacts, uh, letters, print, media, ads, and stuff, and then you've taken it digital with search ads. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming sort of keyword based stuff. Has anything else worked well for you? Well. In the digital well, space? it's mostly it's mostly SEO, but the SEO world has changed. Right from an SEO point of view, mm -hmm. is how are people searching for recruiting services online? Right, how are companies? And again, you know, you you you're never going to entirely separate candidates finding you versus potential clients finding you. But as much as possible. How are potential clients, what search terms are they using to look for recruiting services? And then how can you compete? Which ones are relevant to your business? And, and can you compete in those search terms? And then how do you compete in those search terms? For example, if, if you just used executive recruiter or executive search, I mean, let's see such a broad search term i you know and if you looked and okay how how often is that search term used uh, uh globally you know it's probably a very large number and the competition for that search term is probably quite high and you know you're probably competing with uh and hydric and, and firms like that right so that's you know that's challenging 
But then if you narrow it down to Canadian search terms or Vancouver sales recruiter or Vancouver recruiter, now you're, you're, you, now you have narrower terms that there's, there's less volume, but there's uh, less competition for it. And can we compete successfully given our resources uh, uh, for that? And so, you know, there's probably like 700 different uh, keyword phrases that, uh, that Goldbeck Recruiting, you know, will come up in uh, the first, first page of a Google search, right? And, uh, and so, you know, and there's competition for those, you know, like when week will be number one on a certain term and then Two weeks later, oh, we're down to number four, and okay, we're you know constantly working on getting better. And what other terms? And looking for okay, are, are there changes in terms that uh, companies that people are using to find the recruiting services? Can are they relevant to us? Can we compete in them? And then Google has changed. You know, and Google is you know there's other engines, but Google is the you know is the major player. So they've they change over time in terms of what how they are going to rank you so you have to you know you have to have access to the expertise to to make those changes on your behalf i mean it used to be you know they had background phrases and you would just cram your website with background phrases yeah, yeah stuffing uh, meta tags right but you know, so now those are a very small factor in how Google ranks you. So it's biggest single factor is do you have, uh, you know, relevant, legitimate content on your landing pages related to the keywords that you want those landing pages to attract, right? So you have to have good content that has to be organized and sort of has to be a logic uh, behind it, right? Yeah. You, um, you mentioned there, so you which is an amazing result, 700 keyword phrases appearing. So if you're listening to this, you go to Google, you type in a, a keyword phrase such as, such as executive firm, executive search firm of Vancouver, up, up come the results, 700 times yeah. that. Uh, so that's impressive. And, and there, I, I guess they're sprinkled across various pages. They're not going to be across 700 pages on a website because that's a little bit crazy. But it's not stagnant, right? So you can appear top of the page for a keyword, but then as you said there, Henry, a few days later, a week later, you could be down to fourth. And the reason for that is other firms out there adjusting their SEO, putting out more content, adjusting the backlinks, all that kind of thing. So how do you stay on top of that? Because it's it's a huge job, but obviously it pays off and it's paid off you for a long time. So how do you... Well, really, it's an investment in money. It's really money because I can't do it myself, I, you know. And so it's for, for me, it's finding a trusted provider of that expertise and service, you know, that fits for my size of firm. I have a marketing budget. It's probably about, I don't know, 10, 15% of gross revenue, but that brings yeah. in 60% of our business and our recruiters, you know, for, you know, for many years, we've done hardly any business development and uh, our business bulk of our business is new business coming in through our website and then repeat business and then a few and then referrals right so we 
we've just started a business development program just before COVID, but it's it's starting to pay dividends now, and it's going to be it's very system oriented as well, right? And you know, we did a total rebuild of our website uh, last year, and uh, it was fifteen grand, and that included rewriting most of the content. And so the structure is simple, which is important. And the content has to be, the, 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 the structure has to be simple, but logical related to your business, right? And so, and then the content yeah. has to be good and logical related to the keywords and how you want to work. And, and then obviously, you know, when people go to the website, they have to, you know, they have to be impressed. They have to like it. There has to be a customer journey on the website so that they stay on it. So they end up, you know, they, there's a call to action, all of those things. There's, so there's two things about this one, how the website itself works when someone gets there, but then are enough people going to get there? And the biggest thing, the biggest thing, uh, you know, I've realized um, is that the ongoing investment is, is the most important thing, right? Your website should never, is never going to be finished ever. It should never be finished. You should think, you should always think that your website will never be finished. So when you're planning your budget around it, right? You have to, it's less important what you spend to build your website than what you're going to spend on an ongoing basis to constantly grow, improve, adjust, mm. add content, uh, to con continually build that. That's the most, that's what brings success, you know, and, and so, you know, spending too much on a fancier website and then not having a budget to, con to continue that work is a mistake compared to maybe building a smaller, simpler website uh, with a, you know, with a, f and then expanding it and growing it and, 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 and continuously improving it. Again, what keywords can we be effective in? How can we do this better? How can we adjust that? You know, right now our budget, most of our budget goes to like content creation. Um, we do structural changes all the time. We just, you know, we just mm -hmm. spent like three months uh, just reorganizing our areas of expertise. So we have fewer, fewer categories. Um, so we've combined a bunch of them. We went like from 21 categories down to 10 or 11 categories, which have each category then on their pages have more content and better content and, you know, and more optimized to the keywords because Google has like an optimal size, you know, like, so if Google, if you have a, if you have a, a landing page or a page that's on your website related to part of your business, and, you know, an optimal size is having about like 800 mm -hmm. words or more in terms of good content. If you only have two 
200 words or 100 words, it's, it's going to be a real disadvantage to how Google ranks it. So we, you know, we reorganize that. Yeah. That's an important lesson for people listening is a couple of things. One is SEO. So we're talking SEO now, search engine optimization. It, it's a bit like a marathon. You're not just doing a sprint and you win the race. Yes, your keyword has now ranked number one. It's you've run from here to the next, to the end of that road. Uh, and you've won that little section of the marathon, but now you're being overtaken because the others in the race are starting to speed up and put in more content and restructure their site. So it's an ever going process. So that, that's a really important point to make. Uh, and then, yeah, having a clarity around the structure and then and expanding it from there. You raised a good point about the quality of the content on pages and they need to be aligned to keywords and things like that. So in the old days, yeah, you might be able to put a, a keyword all over the place, you know, headline and subheadline, things like that. They even used to have uh, <laughs> keywords hidden in white text on, the, on a white page down the bottom and things like that uh, and a couple of hundred words, but that, that doesn't cut it anymore. Uh, the way Google looks at SEO is if someone types in a keyword and a bunch of options appear, which is going to answer the person's question in the best possible way. And they do that by visiting the website. The person looks around and, and likes it and sticks around, then that increases your chances. And so you're going to increase your chance by being clear, providing the answer to the person's question and I don't know, educating them at the same time. So you're not going to be able to do that in 200 words. So yeah, you mentioned the 800 and it's, it's sort of creeping up higher and higher. I keep hearing 2000 is the new, the new number. Absolutely. It changes all the time. And there's a great pie chart that, uh, that our SEO guys who showed us where they shows the percentage of the factors that Google uses to rank your, rank your website. And, uh, you know, and content is still the biggest yeah. one and different, you know, different things like there's that, Page speed, mobile speed, the uh, technical, speed, yeah. the headers, there's glitches, there's, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of factors that, that all add up. You have to decide what your budget is, like, because it's never ending, you know, you could decide, okay, if you had $2 million, what kind of website would you build, right? If someone's listening to this thinking, what kind of, just for the ongoing basis, what kind of budget should they allocate to an SEO program? What's your suggestion? You know, our budget pre-COVID was about eight thousand a month, and you know it's down. You know, it's close to that again. It's but it's it's mm -hmm. down a bit, and we're probably going to increase it. And uh, most of that is content. You know, it changes. We had a budget for public relations, but that really wasn't working. So we've that, and now we're going to try some add some advertising to the mix. You know, we produce. Uh, you know six articles a month, six white papers a year. A lot of the budget goes towards content and promoting that content. Uh, but again, we have a fairly big website. We rely on it a lot. You know, someone starting and building a business could be, you know, much less than that. I've got a bigger business in my, hey, I would love to, yeah, absolutely. you know, I'd love to get to the so, point where I'm spending triple that. I think it would be really awesome. You've proven that it pays off. Overall, what's your advice when it comes to growing ah, a successful recruitment it business? like hell, build positions. You know, <laughs> I don't know. That there can be a big performance, you know, difference. Like, right, you know, the recruiters that we have right now, we have such a great team. They're fantastic. I mean, I love it. Uh, when we have a new client and I can brag to that client about how, you know, how good the recruiter is that they're going to be working with. 
that's one of the most fun things about my job is I know, you know, they're, they're hungry to fill the position, but they're also, they're also have the, uh, the ethics that, that's important to our firm of, you know, being transparent with candidates, with clients, you know, really uh, trying to do a great job of finding the, uh, the best candidates possible, given, given the situation, given what they're looking for and what they can offer and what the fit is, needs to be, right? And doing that as quickly as possible. That's very good. We've been through so much, global pandemic, remote workplaces, all that sort of thing now. And that's without even thinking about AI and other stuff that was happening prior to COVID hitting us all. What do you see the future holding for both the recruitment and or HR consulting space? So, you know, one thing is we don't know what we don't know. So you don't, don't know what the future is going to hold. But, uh, you know, I, I think one thing is that, um, you know, talent is hard to find. And that doesn't seem to have changed. And even with the COVID, uh, uh, you know, economic downturn and the recovery, the uh, it's a K-shaped recovery here where, the experienced, talented people uh, for specific positions are still hard to find. Uh, you know, we haven't, we aren't getting like lots of easy searches because of uh, COVID and because there's some economic downturn, right? Com- companies come to recruiters yeah. when they're working on a search that's difficult to find. And, and, and I don't think that's going to change. Um, Working remotely, you know, there's been a big push towards that. And I don't know, you know, it, you know, no one knows how far it will snap back to working in the office and how long that will take. I think all we know for sure is there's going to be more remote working in the future than there was a pre-COVID, but we don't know how much more. We have some clients that are going to be fully back in the office and, you know, some clients are you know, are, are really transitioning to remote. So at the end of the day, you know, where that balance is, is, we don't know. I don't think it affects the recruiting business that much as an industry. You know, it affects individual companies. You know, I've, you know I'm in a lease, right? So how am I going to adjust as an individual business owner to my business? But I don't think it affects the recruiting mm-hmm. industry because, you know, it's one of the easier industries to do remote. I don't know if it's a crazy time or just a, a challenging time ahead, but we'll, we'll get there. We've, we've been through this and, and worse, I'm sure. So thank you very much, Henry, for sharing all your amazing advice and uh, tips for people listening. If people want to learn more about you, refer clients to you, partner with you in some p- possible way, what should they do next? Henry at goldbeck.com. Easy. <laughs> I'll put that in the show notes. I will put the website in there as well. But Henry, that's been fantastic. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Ben. It's been great speaking with you. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.